Welcome to Pet Will Radio, a unique show about amazing animals and inspirational people. With your host, author, animal advocate, and attorney, Peggy Hoyt. Hello, pet lovers. Welcome to All My Children Wear Fur Coats on Pet Will Radio. This show is brought to you by the law offices of Hoyt and Brian and MyPetWill.com. I'm your host, Peggy Hoyt. It's my pleasure to be with you. And every time we get together, we explore the options and alternatives for creating a lasting legacy for your pet. And we also talk to a variety of people who work in the pet industry, all different kinds of um, areas of the pet industry, including rescue, including um, pet loss, end-of-life decisions, animal communicators, all kinds of interesting folks. And today is no different. Today we have on our show special guest Jody Clock. And Jody owns a company called Clock Timeless Pets. And Jody and I um, were introduced by a mutual friend and came to discover that we both have Muskegon, Michigan in common. Welcome to the show, Jody. Hey, Peggy. How you doing? Good. So it's beautiful here in Florida. Uh, what's it like in Michigan today? Well, if you wait a day, it'll change. Yesterday we had snow and today it's uh, 56 and things are melting. Oh, my goodness. So did you have some of this 70-degree uh, weather that Chicago had as well recently? No, we did have it right up to 61, and that was midweek. And then we kind of went south with the aluminum gray-colored skies. Well, uh, everybody else enjoyed uh, some good spring-like weather. Oh, typical Michigan, huh? You got that right. <laughs> so, Jody. um, Tell our listeners a little bit about yourself because you have served in a lot of different capacities um, and, and people may think that, you know, being in the pet loss industry or the human loss industry, um, you know, what attracts somebody to that industry in the first place? Well, I think you just have to be certifiable. No, um, seriously, what attracts us to pet loss? You know, I think you just morph into it because I, I grew up in a little town called Batesville, Indiana, and that is, or it was at one time, the mecca for Batesville Casket Company, which is on the human side of things, where all a lot of the educational learning was done, where a lot of funeral directors uh, you know, they sought out information and they looked to the experts there. And, you know, I was fortunate enough uh, to, when I had to get a big girl job after college, uh, I affiliated myself with that company, Batesville, and their sister company, Forethought. And so I was very involved on the human side of things. And uh, life progressed. I ended up meeting who is my husband now today. And he owns, a, we'll be celebrating 120 years, if you can believe that, of a family-owned business. Wow. And I know it's hard to believe, but, you know, when you're around it, it becomes natural. So when things around you start to reach their end of life, like your pets, you start to look beyond the moment. And, you know, you want to know, well, where do they go? You know, you never really thought about that until you're into that type of profession. And when it is your pet, um, 
that's near and dear, and you want that pet to be treated because they are our children. So um, when our therapy dog died, I just naturally wanted to know, you know, what the vet was, you know, going to tell me to do. And I didn't like the options he had available. And so I went out and tried to make a difference and tried to change that or disrupt that, if you will. Uh, It's not that our friends at the vet clinic uh, ever did anything bad. In fact, they provided a great solution by either affiliating themselves with uh, cremation partners or, sadly, in some cases, uh, it was common practice to put pets in a landfill, and in some places it still is. None of that just worked for me. And so, you know, I wanted to make a difference and leave a footprint, and since death care was normal to me, it was a short putt to take it from the human side to the death side. So animals have always been a big part of your life. And uh, tell me about your your very first pet that you can remember. Oh, geez. Well, we were a crazy uh, cat family. Our family always had Siamese cats. And every time we had a, we always had two or three. And it seems like every time uh, one cat died, we went back to it was Sukiyama and Fuji. So I think I might have had several Sukiyama and Fujis my whole life. Oh, my gosh. Um, I know. It, it was just crazy. And, in fact, I to this day, I now have three Siamese cats. Uh, but uh, Yama is about as out there as we get with the uh, Chinese or the, the name that kind of is affiliated with that. But uh, really, it was dogs. We, I was... My, my parents were afraid of dogs. My mother was definitely afraid of dogs, and I always wanted to have a dog. So the animal that left the most impact with me was Max, and Max uh, was a Sheltie, and my son, who at that point in time was in eighth grade, he kept saying he wanted a dog. And I said, well, if you clean the cat litter for a year, okay, we can get a dog. And lo and behold, He didn't complain and he did. So I had to hold true to my end of the bargain. And so got a little Sheltie. Uh, My son named him Max. And that dog was just awesome. And then sadly, my life ended. Uh, My marriage fell apart. And that dog got me through my divorce. He was my buddy and my companion because at that same time I was getting a divorce, My son turned 18, he went off to college, and I became that empty nester. So Max was it. And um, as life progressed, I reconnected with uh, who is now my husband, Dale, and I brought Max to work with me, and my husband thought I was nuts. And of course, well, I might have been crazy, but not nuts. I brought the dog to work, and I felt that we're at a funeral home that people needed comforting. And the only way that he would accept that would be if I went and I had him certified into a a therapy dog. So I took my buddy Max to uh, Therapy Dogs International, and we went through all the paces. And for a good five years, he worked right here at Clock Funeral Home in Muskegon. And ironically, he was probably within the top, if there were 10 uh, therapy dogs in the country, at a funeral home at that time, that was a lot. So Max became a celebrity, uh, locally and nationally. And uh, when Max died, we needed to honor that little guy. 
And that's kind of how it all came full circle. Wow. That's a great story. And uh, I know you still love Shelties today. And I'm looking at a picture of you on your Facebook page at Timeless Pets on Facebook. And uh, you have two little dogs in your arms. You have a Sheltie and a Pomeranian. Who are those dogs? Oh, well, all right. So the Sheltie is Sammy. And Sammy, um, we had hoped he would turn into be a, a therapy dog. And Sammy, I think, is going to have to go to kindergarten a few times. He's, he's very timid. He was a rescue. Uh, turns out he was kept in a cage for the first 18 months of his life, so he was not socialized. So it's really been a process. So he still comes to work with us every day, but uh, to put him in, in the role of a therapy dog, he, his attention span, and he's just very timid. Uh, the other little little dog is a Pomeranian and that's Lucy and uh, a lot of people at work affectionately call her Lucifer. Uh, Lucy likes to protect me and bark. Uh, She has such a sad sad story. Uh, Lucy is about 11 and I was on the board of a no-kill shelter and she was tossed over around Christmas time the, the fence and her placenta and her afterbirth were frozen along with her to her cage. So we don't know what happened to her puppies, but she had just given birth, and they had discarded her um, like trash. But fortunately, they, they did it at a no-kill shelter. So that next day, uh, she just was not adjusting or even responding uh, in the shelter. So I brought her home, and... Uh, well, as you can see, she's never left. Right. The rest is history. Oh, my goodness. Well, they both look very happy, and, and you look very happy. So I know that the people who visit um, the funeral home are happy to see their little smiling faces as well. <laughs> yeah, they do. And we also have another one that is not pictured there, but she is a blind deaf Sheltie, and she's all white. She was too closely inbred, hence why she's blind and deaf. But uh, she often provides comfort as well at the funeral home. And she's just a big bundle of love. And ironically enough, she is uh, requested by families because her nature is just so calm. That's nice. What's her name? Her name is Duchess because she, she is one. (laughs) <laughs> well, yes, they sometimes their names uh, you are not too far from the way they uh, behave. And so That's she's true. She's royalty she's, at clock funeral homes. You got that right. Okay, good to know. Well, Jody, um, I know that you're a member of the ICCFA and the Pet Loss Professionals Association. Tell us a little bit about that organization and and why pet parents um, should know that that organization exists. Oh, well, you know, that's such an important point that you bring up. Um, The PLPA is the sister association for the ICCFA, and what that means uh, just to the general public is That's the International Cemetery and Cremation and Funeral Home Association. And you asked earlier on uh, how I got into the pet loss business. Well, my why uh, is not atypical from other end-of-life providers. 
And so uh, once we started figuring out the dance of what was out there, um, we realized that there was a lot of fraud. And uh, my good friend, Colleen Ellis, uh, who you had on a couple of weeks ago, she actually is the founder or the co-founder of the PLPA. And she went to you know, the parent association on the human side and said, hey, we need to set standards and protocols for uh, people who are entering in this profession. And she and I go way back many years on the human side. And uh, that first year, there were about three of us sitting around the table, very passionate about uh, end-of-life care for pets and trying to figure out how we were going to message not only to um, the general public or pet parents, but how we were going to educate our friends at the vet clinics and how were we going to encourage those uh, who were getting into pet loss to augment uh, on the human side, you know, how were they going to, to get that message and do it correctly? So that's been, we are now, I think, going on seven or eight years strong. I think we're approaching our eighth year. I could be wrong. And we went from 300 members to about a good almost 500 members. And we have walked this journey by going to um, the different associations for the vet clinics. This week I'll be heading out to uh, the Western Vet Clinic Association out in Las Vegas where the PLPA uh, will have a booth where we talk to not only vet clinics, uh, meaning the the uh, veterinarian, but to the practice managers and to the students uh, who are going to college about proper end-of-life care and when you go to a, a crematory and you want to partner with a crematory for the animals that uh, are euthanized at your clinic, what to look for and what to ask to make sure your good name, uh, number one, remains a good name and you don't uh, unnecessarily expose yourself uh, to an undue lawsuit with, you know, aligning yourself with somebody who is not walking their talk. Conversely, we want to educate pet parents to start looking for crematories that are PLPA members. And so we're putting education out there for consumers so they know what to ask their vet clinic partners. You know, well, where is my pet going? Uh, what does private mean? Is private one pet only is, you know, what is a communal, you know, what all these terms out there that are second nature to us, um, we want to teach the general public. So it's not that it's right or wrong, but they just need to know in total transparency where their pet is going, uh, how their pet will be cremated, and then what will be happening to their cremated remains after that? Will they be coming home? Will they be scattered? Will they be disposed of and how? So that's what that association is about, just education, education, education. Well, and I um, also am a member of the PLPA, and um, I joined for very different reasons, but um, primarily because I do work with uh, pet parents and the question of pet loss comes up frequently. And um, I discovered that, you know, other than my own personal experience, I really didn't even realize that this was an industry. And um, the, the thing that hits most close to home recently is that one of my very good friends 
um, had to put her um, beloved dog down last Thursday. And we were talking about it before this happened. And I had encouraged her to find um, somebody who would be willing to come to her house rather than taking the dog to the veterinarian's office. And fortunately, her veterinarian was willing to come on her day off even, yay for that vet, and um, and uh, euthanize this beloved dog at the home of its owner and with the other dog there present, um, which made it a much more... Um, workable situation um you you know there's nothing happy about that event but um i think it left my friend with a, a very peaceful feeling that her her dog was treated with the utmost respect and um and that she was aware of everything that was going to happen and and i know that isn't always the case can you talk about that a little bit jody I can, and what I what I really want to do is commend you for for giving your friends some great advice. And there is, you know, there's an up and coming, I don't want to say field, but niche or expertise in uh, pet end of life care, or actually in veterinary medicine. And it's with those senior pets or their end of life, and they're doing it just on the human side, on the holistic, uh, with human hospice, those types of things. Mm-hmm. There is now. There is now, and I want to say a movement because hospice is a movement, uh, pet palliative care and pet hospice. And this is where um, there are vets that are willing to come to the home or they might even have, you know, centers, um, I'm going to say hospitals that are just specific for those types of palliative care. But more, more than not, they're mobile vets and they will come to your home and they will work with you on different things you can do just to keep that pet comfortable until it's end of life. And then when that end of life happens, you know, I, I think it's an honor and a privilege to, to be with and a responsibility as a good pet parent to be there with your pet, not only through the good times and the bad times as they were with you, but for you to make sure they have that proper send off. And it's kind of a bittersweet because it's all about the experience. And so if, that anxiety is taken away for that pet. And quite frankly, for the pet owner, if you don't have to think about loading that pet up in the car and going to that final drive and going into the office, if you can greet someone into your home, you can have it a calming experience where that pet can pick out where, you know, maybe they like to lay outside or maybe they like their pet bed in the sun. You know, they can go to their spot and then... You know, there is a kind euthanasia because when, um, a, unlike the days of old, now the vets will uh, inject morphine. And so your, your pet will kind of drift off before they actually end up euthanizing them. And so it, it's a very calm, uh, beautiful experience. And, I, you know, I would challenge anybody, if you've had the privilege um, of being with a parent or a family member when they die, well, death is not pretty. Um, that's a pretty humbling experience to be with them, and you'll see it's nothing to be afraid of. No, you don't want to go do that every day, but it makes you a better person to have gone through it. And I feel strongly about that on the pet side. 
Um, that is, that's so great, Jody, because I, I know that that gives people a lot of comfort and confidence then that what they're doing, you know, is the right thing. And certainly we don't want to ever have to do this, but it comes along with being a responsible pet parent. Um, so, um, just to give us a little more information, um, what are the different types of disposition, really, that people have as an option? Well, for their pets, um, there's actually quite a few. Um, first and foremost, there's always cremation. And cremation uh, is a broad... ...self um, outside of, you know, having the term, you know, cremation, your pet is reduced into, uh, some people call them ashes, but they're cremated remains, which are bone fragments. Um, it's a private, meaning one pet in, one pet out, or it can be communal, which is anything besides one pet. Um, and then their options are, do I want my pet back or do I want, uh, the crematory to dispose of those ashes? And, that can mean many things. Our crematory always scatters uh, the ashes on, during National Pet Memorial Day, and we honor those little lives. Uh, pet parents can have, you know, a burial. It is not uncommon for pet cemeteries uh, anymore. There are several of them cropping up across the country, and there are some that have had some longevity. Uh, Hinsdale over in Chicagoland, uh, I think they're on their fourth generation, and you know, there are thousands of pets at that cemetery. Uh, people can also take their cremated remains uh, of their, their feathered or furried friends, and uh, when they die, they can either go in the casket with them or they can um, be placed in their urn after a person's been cremated. So that is an option, and that is becoming quite popular uh, with pet parents these days. Uh, so if they are cremated, to set them aside until their pet parents die, to be buried or cremated, you know, scattered with them. And then last but not least, I, I want to touch on scattering because I've said that a few times. Scattering always sounds so romantic. Oh, we're going to go scatter the cremains at uh, the water where my lab, you know, used to like to swim in the river. Or we're going to scatter the cremains, you know, in the ocean or on Lake Michigan, where a lot of our pets like to run on the beach. Well, that's great. However, a lot of people don't stop to think about what they might be doing uh, to the land or to the ground of what they're doing. And so there's a product, and he's a good friend of yours, I know, but it's a, one of the best-kept secrets, and I, I just can't get the information out there enough. It's called Let Your Love Grow, and Let Your Love Grow is a compound that you mix with the cremated remains. And it ironically kind of looks like miracle Grow, So it's nothing to be, you know, it's not creepy. It's nothing to be afraid of. And what it does is it neutralizes those cremains because what people don't realize is whether it's for people or pets, those cremated remains are bones and your bone fragments are sodium and calcium. And what that does is if there are, um, a concentration of that, whether it's on the grass or certain areas, it will kill plant life. So this neutralizes that. So if you're going to scatter and then put a plant down, let's say a dogwood tree, in honor of your pet, 
you certainly don't want to kill that tree after after you've gone to the time and energy to memorialize your your pet and then scatter it and kill it. So this would this would uh, detour that from happening. Well, and I think that's really good advice because I actually did. Um before I knew about Let Your Love Grow, I actually did um, end up killing a tree. And it's it's kind of sad twice because now you've lost your pet and now you've lost the living thing that you use to memorialize that loss. And um, so it hurts over again. So I think that is very good advice. Um, Jody, I notice on your website at a clocktimelesspets.com that you um, encourage people to do pre-planning for their pets and even have a downloadable pet pre-planning form. Um, I think I think that that could be very helpful to some folks. Well, you know, again, I, I talk about responsible pet parenting and there, there's really two sides to that. The first one is pre-planning for your pet, meaning you just you need a template. You know, because on a bad day, you may not want to make a decision. You, you're going to know that my pet is going to be cremated. And some people um, will actually go ahead and prepay for that. So we've actually set up here. We've got a couple of people who, I shouldn't say a couple, we've had several people who have prepaid for their pet's funeral, and that is placed in a pet trust. However, let's just, let's just look at that conversely. There are so many people uh, that... Um, some of our experts here at our funeral homes sit down with, and whether it's uh, a death that's just happened, uh, there's, you know, not only is there a survivor, there's a surviving pet, and nobody has made provisions for that pet. And then you find uh, people assuming another family member can take this pet, and sometimes that is not the case. And it's our philosophy here strongly that a pet's life should not end uh, just because they're human's life ends. And so, and, you know, I'm preaching to the choir here with you, girl. Um, we work with hospice to try to rehome pets. We talk about uh, estate planning, uh, meaning uh, responsible pet parenting and creating a pet trust or leaving some money aside so that pets can be rehomed. But you have found the solution for that, my friend. Well, I, I, I think it's the solution, and I would encourage everyone I know and all of our listeners here on All My Children Wear Fur Coats to uh, visit mypetwill.com, and you can create in a very short time a pet trust for the benefit of your pet and make sure that um, you have nominated those persons that you trust to take care of your pet if something should happen to you. And um, I think we all kind of assume that um, we're going to go, you know, our pets are going to go before we do, but that isn't always the case. Well, I couldn't agree with you more. And, you know, this is just coming to life. And, you know, people don't know what they don't know. And what we have found here is the eyes and the ears, the advocates for the pets, really seem to be those hospice workers uh, that go into the home because as they're going into the home for the humans, they're looking around and they're seeing that there's a pet in the house. And with some education, we've helped them to uh, identify and ask the question, now what will be happening with this pet? So they can get a heads up on that. And so um, 
sometimes there is no uh, need to have a pet will, at least at this moment, but it, it takes care of that immediate situation. But then they need a long-term solution because uh, what's going to happen when that pet goes to its next home. But, you know, you're a pioneer in that area, and, you know, we really need to send that message out. Uh, before then, there really, there really wasn't much of a venue. People always thought you had to have a lot of money. Uh, oh, what is it like? What was her name? She had all the shoes. I'm drawing a blank. And her pet died. Oh, you're thinking of Leona Helmsley. Yeah, like Leona Helmsley. People always thought they needed to have a ton of money to make that happen. And really, they don't. You know, they just need to put a plan in play and start uh, setting some money aside. Or for that fact, in memorial, uh, they can ask for that to happen for their pets instead of sending flowers. Um, absolutely. And so um, I, I want to encourage everybody to go take a look at MyPetWill.com. Certainly, um, this show would not be possible without MyPetWill.com. And um, it's people like Jody and others that we have on the show on a regular basis that um, help us to learn about the things that we don't know um, so that we can be better advocates for each other and for our pets. Um, so we thank everybody for listening each week to All My Children Wear Fur Coats. We're on Pet Will Radio. You can also join us at mixlr.com forward slash petwill. And uh, you can find us on Twitter at Kids in Fur Coats. And you can also find us on Facebook at um, All My Children Wear Fur Coats and at Petwill. Um, so we would welcome your questions, your comments, your suggestions. Um, if you have a pet that you've ever lost, um, we, you can also memorialize your, your lost pet um, by just sending us a note and asking us to remember that pet on a show when we have Memorial Monday. And, and we will be happy to call out that little baby's name. So, um, Jody, you're doing a lot of um, events this year on behalf of the PLPA. Um, tell us some of the other venues that you're going to be going to for um, educating people about pet loss and grief. Well, um, like I had mentioned, I'm going to the Western Vet Clinic. But the one I look so forward to every year is each year we've got a PLPA college. And, you know, that's exactly what it is. It's uh, three to four days of nothing but classes with, quite frankly, I feel the best of the best because some people want to get into business and they don't know where to start. So we talk about topics on simply how to run a business, something as uh, straightforward as um, contact management systems, QuickBooks, accounting. We, have, we bring in HR specialists talking about the legalities of hiring and firing and how to do that. We bring in our um, suppliers out there, uh, whether they're for urns, caskets, software, keepsakes, you name it. Uh, we've got that whole network. And they come in and they talk about their products. And they teach people how to merchandise. And then there's other folks uh, like myself and Colleen and Bob Jenkins, who we just mentioned with Let Your Love Grow, and uh, an attorney, Paula Masters, and we all talk about, you know, best practices in talking to pet parents, whether it's how to handle a price shopper, because there are people who call and ask questions, and 
the lowest cost doesn't necessarily mean it's the best. And so we talk about, you know, finding the value that uh, that pet parent wants for their baby, you know. So we talk about how to handle those types of questions. We talk and teach um, professionals on how to talk to pet parents uh, when they're calling in at a vet clinic and, you know, that hard euthanasia call, how to set that appointment. You know, those are conversations that, quite frankly, are not positive conversations, but they're necessary. So, you know, we run the gamut on all types of necessary communication. Uh, And then again, we also teach about marketing uh, because it is a business. And then circling back around, uh, we also talk about aligning yourself with the proper professionals who hit your internal compass zone. Um, So you've got good business partners who are ethical. And so you know when you refer to someone that they are the best of the best and that you're proud to uh, stand shoulder to shoulder with them. So each year that gets better and the classes uh, keep growing like crazy. Well, that's good to hear that more and more people are getting interested. And and there may be somebody who's listening, Jody, who might be um, looking for a career um, in the animal industry and wondering if this might be a good avenue for them. And I suspect that you would tell them, yes, certainly explore it if uh, if it's something that appeals to you, um, because it's been very good to you. It has. And, you know, they can take it from me or I can, uh, I have a network that's awful strong and there really isn't anything. If I haven't uh, either failed miserably or done well at it, I know someone who has. And so you always want to learn from someone's successes or failures so you can make that decision yourself. Yeah. So I, th- I think that's great. Um, I, I wouldn't have necessarily thought that I could find a way to combine my passion for pets and um, my profession, being a, an attorney, um, together, but um, I I was able to do that. And you've taken your passion for pets and and your passion for um, helping folks after the loss of a loved one, um, and and really you know found a way to make a very rewarding um, career for yourself. And and I feel the same way. Um, I, I'm glad that we can come together, Jody, and that we can share this information with our pet parents who listen to the show and who are looking for information, um, just giving them more resources for how to make sure that their pets are taken care of while the pets are alive and well, and then what happens to make sure that our pets, our loved pets, don't end up in a shelter um, at the end of our lifetime. I can think of nothing worse for for my own dogs who have never even spent one night at a kennel in their lives to end up in a shelter. It would be very um, it would be very upsetting to them. Um, and yet, with a pet trust, I can make sure that there's money available. That I've named my successor pet caregivers and um, laid out all of the instructions for my pets. Um, Talk a little bit, um, Jody, about um, some of the memorials that you've actually done for pets, including the one um, for Max. Well, uh, I've done all kinds of them. The one for Max was, was 
a little bit on a small scale. It was, I had to uh, walk my talk, obviously. And so I just thought that, you know, Max was a community dog. He was cremated. And I just thought that we would have a small memorial service. And we're talking, this was uh, 2005. So we're going back a while. And I just put a little notice because Max was always in our ads. So I had Max's brother, who was a corgi, uh, announce had a picture of the corgi and announced that we were having a, a memorial for him at the funeral home and that leashed pets were welcome. Well, I don't know what I expected, but it, was, it wasn't what happened. We probably, back in that day, uh, had 25 or 30 people who Max had touched during services, um, and they brought their pets. So that was the very, very first one uh, that I had. The second one I had was with a, a canine, a deputy canine, and his name was Kane. And this was before there was um, protocols. It was just on that cutting edge. Uh, today, when a deputy dog goes down, um, there are uh, protocols and a service that, that everyone follows. Back then, it wasn't in place, but we um, actually had a, a full-blown funeral or a memorial service, as you will. I mean, just Cain's cremated remains were in our chapel. Uh, we had you know, many, many pictures and uh, videos of, of Kane. There were dog handlers, uh, the state police, from across the entire state there. And it was just a heartwarming and, and very moving service. And at the end of the service, um, there were 10 canines with their handlers who came up and said something. And then they turned around and they faced everyone uh, in the pews. And then taps was played. And when they played taps, unbeknownst to all of us, the dogs must have given each other the word because they all threw their heads back and they howled. Oh, my gosh. All through taps. And so, yeah, and we had, you know, gosh, we had several news stations there and they caught it. And it was just very moving. Now, today the protocols are a little different. But needless to say, uh, it certainly honors that life. And the, it's very moving. Um, but most people, well, and then, I, then I'm going to go one step further is we did have another dog die by the name of Ernie and he was our second therapy dog and he died very suddenly. And so again, we had a service for him and there were over a hundred people who showed up, uh, with their leashed pets, but that's not, well, that's normal because that's what I do for a living. But that's not necessarily normal for the average pet parent. And it's not to say that that pet parent shouldn't honor that little life, but you don't need to go through a big funeral. Um, we've had all kinds of pet parents where they just want to know how to honor that little life. And so we'll teach them how to set up a, a memorial table, if you will, at home and have their, you know, light a candle and have... Um, I'm going to say maybe create a shadow box or take the clay paw print that we've done. And the little children, if there are kids, because kids need closure. So they need to draw pictures or they'll write a little, little note and they'll put it on this little table. And it, it, for that fact, it could even be a mantle. But um, we teach people how to, to do that or 
lot of times people will bury. So we will ask us just come out and uh, say a little prayer and help them honor that little one as they bury it. And so we'll help them do a little burial in the backyard. And we've done that numerous times. And pet parents just want to know um, that they're not nuts, that this is a loss and they need to, to bring closure to that. And, you know, they're wanting to, they're coming to the realization that pet grief is real. Um, just like we grieve with a human, they, they grieve uh, the loss of their pet. And hospice is actually beginning to um, honor and respect that as well. So when they notice things like that are going on, they will encourage people to call up and uh, call us up because we actually have a pet grief room or with hospice, but they will, the hospice people will reach out and say, Hey, so-and-so is having a hard time. You might want to give them a call and help them walk through this journey and bring closure to their little guy. And most of the time it's just, they want validation and they want to know how to memorialize this. Mm -hmm. So you can do that on yourself through scrapbooking through journaling, uh, through even putting together your own slideshows, you know, with, you know, with a scanner and your computer, you can do just about anything these days. And they just need to somehow do something that kind of puts the bow in the package and, and brings closure to that versus just saying goodbye and then coming home to an empty house. Yeah, I think those are some really, really good ideas for folks um, as they think about the different ways that you can memorialize your pet. And and nothing is out of bounds. I mean, I'm wearing a necklace today that I bought for um, myself in memory of a dog that I lost in November. And and every time I look at it, I think of her. And um, and I've done, as I mentioned, I planted a tree for for one dog and um, done some other things for other pets. So Jody, thank you for sharing that information um, with our listeners. And we, we would encourage anyone who's listening to reach out to Jody through her Facebook page at timeless pets or clocks, timeless pets. And you can also visit her website. Um, Jody, you've written a book too. tell us a little bit about um, the book that you wrote. Well, my book is called Navigating the Elder Care Journey Without Going Broke, and it really just talks about, as people age, they need to have that talk, whether it's with their adult children or uh, even with their attorney, and they need to set, and when I say attorney, they need an elder care attorney, not an estate planning attorney, Uh, not not that I want to begrudge estate planning attorneys, there's just... Uh, different nuances that go on with asset reallocation. And so this book just talks about the different things that you need to have in play. Um, A lot of people think just because they have a will, they have everything all taken care of, and that couldn't be further from the truth. So it it takes you through the journey of the why you need to put a plan in place all the way down to um, the final arrangements or plans on – prepaying and pre-funding a funeral and the why you need to do that, whether it's for a Medicaid spend down or it's for um, the peace of mind so the children can focus on what's important, which is honoring a life lived versus worrying about the financial aspect on how they're going to pay for it. However, I'm so excited is the second edition of that will be coming out uh, here in the spring. And in that uh, 
two things that have just really made this. So I'm so giddy, giddy, silly, excited about it is, uh, well, outside of the changes, we will be adding a section about why pet trusts are important because that is the one thing that was not in that book. However, I ran into a gentleman who in my world is a household name because I uh, studied him growing up. His name was Ken Blanchard or is Ken Blanchard. And he is the guru of gurus on uh, business books. He wrote the, he co-authored the one minute manager and uh, who moved my cheese. I ran into him at, one of our conventions at the ICCFA, and uh, long story short, he read my book, he uh, endorsed it, and so uh, I've, I'm very proud of that, and so this next book will have his endorsement on it. Well, that's good to know, and, and I'm glad you're going to address the pet trust issue because um, we know that um, having a pet can also provide health benefits for seniors, and um, we don't want to ever discourage anybody from having a pet as part of their life, and with a pet trust, we can make sure that our pets are always going to be taken care of, and so none of us should ever be discouraged from um, from having a, a beloved pet in our life. Well, Jody, thank you so much for joining us today. I can't thank you enough. Um, I, I always appreciate um, the time that you give us to talk about this very important subject. And I want to encourage everybody to come visit us every Monday at 3 o'clock when we go live. You can also find us on mixlr.com forward slash petwill. And you can listen to all of our archive shows and if you have a question or a comment, you can find us on Facebook at All My Children Wear Fur Coats or on Twitter at Kids and Fur Coats. Get your pet trust today at MyPetWill.com and we will see you next week. And remember, until there are none, adopt one. Thanks again, Jody. Happy tales. You're welcome. Thank you for joining us on PetWill Radio. Visit PetWillRadio.com for updates on shows links to previous shows, inspirational stories, videos, and more. Until next time, take care.